Hello and welcome to the next podcast in First Class Cities, learning about the people and programs that make communities large and small alike more livable and more lovable. I'm Pete Olson with the town of Yorktown, Indiana, and with me is Clay Johnson, the city administrator for the city of Lincoln, Illinois. Thanks for coming back to our second podcast. Uh, excited that uh, we actually are doing this one a little faster than we we thought we would do um, most of our podcasts, but that's because we we wanted to to kind of really lead into where uh, we're going with this podcast uh, and hopefully talking about livable and lovable cities. So um, tonight we're gonna or today I should say we're gonna start with. Um, what I like to call the hierarchy of cities and towns, and uh, and, and it was funny as we were putting the um, putting the agenda together for for today's discussion, I, I sent it out, and and Clay goes, oh, this looks like a master's presentation, and 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 the quite honest answer is is yeah, I, I did use this in a discussion at uh, Ball State University here a couple weeks ago, when it, one of my favorite things to do is compare cities to individuals. And, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs really can be converted, in my opinion, over to what cities and towns need to, to be there. And so um, as we start, we kind of take that bottom view of um, self-safety and, and, and city safety. And, and you think historically of why towns started and, you know, whether it was because they were on a lake that could be a shipping channel or a river that could be a shipping channel or they developed because of where, where railroads were. But they came together and they provided some of that form of safety. And, and you know, the start was this maybe a sheriff or a police department. And then it moved from there and it, you, you even went to fire departments and, and sewers and so you get that bottom line. And, and, and so, you know, when you think about kind of the bottom levels of what we do in cities, and especially from the government standpoint, is we provide that safety level. And once you get that down and you're good at it, you start moving to those next levels. And so it's always important to remember what the base of communities are, and that's providing public safety, clean water, clean sewers, safe streets, safe um, areas for people to live in, but, but you move up on that world. And, and so, Clay, you know, I look at the basic foundation as always providing those things, and if you don't do those things well, you're not going to be successful. But if you do those things well, it really does lead to the next level. I think that the the comparison of an, a community uh, and a city as an organization to the human body or to a person is somewhat appropriate. Um, you just like you were saying that just like we need water, shelter, food, the the base things to keep ourselves alive, the community needs public safety and infrastructure to keep it alive. It's that base level need. And I think that we have to make abundantly clear as we move through this series and uh, hopefully expound on the things that we're talking about, that yes, we understand that what we are talking about on some level is a little bit frivolous, if you will, that 
enjoying your community and and playing in your community and loving your community may not be the primary deliverable that we should be concerned with. Um, We can probably agree upon that, but um, instead... We, we understand that you've got to start somewhere, and starting is that the, the rudimentary items that we take for granted, good roads, sewers, water, public safety. Um, and then we can start talking about the, uh, if you will, the peripheral things that um, make cities great. All cities should be able to provide some base level of need, but what sets great cities apart, first-class cities apart, is supplying things for the soul, for for the enjoyment of the community. And, you know, we're not going to try to spend too much time, I don't think, on um, budgets and nuts and bolts and how we're going to run stormwater systems. But we want to talk about the things that people can really latch on to and make them fall in love with where they are. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair point in the essence of um, there is, there's that baseline and, and the good cities do those things very good, but they, they then do provide that connection. And, and so, you know, if you think that that's the baseline, that's the cell, that's the providing that self safety, the next step is, is providing for the norms. And we do that with ordinances and we do that with, um, zoning codes and everything else. And, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time in there because those things are important and they, they help you plan for, for the connection to, to the soul, if you will, um, but they don't provide it. And, and so, you, you know, you step from the basic level and then you go up and then you figure out how you're going to pay for it and that's the taxes. And then, and then you start saying, okay, we've done all those things and we're doing those things well and we're, we're using the tax dollars for the things that we want. But then we get to, and, and let's call them, the quality of life initiatives. And so, you know, we were, we, we're, we're providing good roads. We've got good police departments and fire departments. We've got, we've even got parks. But, but now we're talking about how do we use them? How do we connect with our communities? And, and so, you know, I'll look at Yorktown and, and, and or I'll look at Lincoln and, and, and I'll say, okay, you know, we've got all the things that are, are the basics why is it that our community members love our community? Or if we're talking to somebody else, why is it that they love um, their community or, or something that they're doing in there? And to be honest, we can always skip. We can always say there's one department that's maybe not performing as well. And, and as those of us that are managers know we've got to work on it, but we still are performing highly enough on all those basics that we're still able to talk about those connections. I think that you you hit on something there with the we understand that we're not perfect. Um, we're we know that when when we talk about roads and things like that and almost push them off as um, it's all taken care of. Don't worry about it. We we know that roads and sidewalks and things of that nature are continuous projects. Finding ways to make sure that people can travel. Um, safely and easily and that's that's an ongoing thing we we get that um we do not claim by any means that we and or our communities are perfect and i think that that's part of this discussion is 
um, not to focus on the things that seem to bring us down, but instead talk about the things that are unique and kind of spread the the love, the, and I can't keep using that word, um, spread the affection that we have for some of the facets of our community and see how that can engage a wider population in the community, maybe even in a larger regional sense, and use that engagement to benefit the, um, the rudimentary things that we're talking about, roads and sewers, and how that conversation can continue and improve the community as a whole. You know, one of the criticisms, I guess you could say, about the Maslow hierarchy and, and approaching it to a, a city is that it's almost more cyclical. You know, we need to constantly be renewing and refreshing ourselves all around and making sure that everything is in order rather than trying to reach a, a pinnacle um, because truly the city may never reach that pinnacle. I, I think that's a very fair comment and, and, and you're right. Um, a pyramid shows a peak and while we want to reach that peak, we want to maintain performing at that peak. And so that's, as you talk about that cyclical, um, there are going to be up times, there are going to be down times, there are going to be things that sometimes you have to focus on another aspect and you're maybe not performing as high as you wanted. But but as long as the goal is to always come back, it, it is a positive. So Clay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead this in something we didn't talk about, but it is, has Lincoln done something in the last, and I don't care if it's the last week, the last three months, that you sit back and, and not as the city administrator, but as um, just a general citizen that you go, man, I really love this and this is why we think our community is first class you know actually it it has and that it's interesting you bring that up um one thing that when i came to this community i thought was a great advantage that or, or a potential advantage that wasn't really being tapped was our downtown now the administration that was in place when i took the job we're working uh on a redevelopment plan and a revitalization plan and actually completed a block of streetscape uh, as a uh, sign to the community that this is what we want to move towards and we hope that it'll spread to the rest of the downtown and, and inject that life back into a historic downtown. Um, and since that time, we've instituted some festivals in our summer months to kind of re-energize people, reintroduce people to downtown that it's a, it's the core of our community. It's who we are and, um, try to, you know, spur that along and, and remind people that downtown's a fun and happening place. Well, interestingly enough, I think it was, a, I think it was last week, um, three business owners in our downtown held a quote unquote block party for a new business that came into downtown and really wanted to set the community and this business off on the right foot by shutting down a street in the downtown, inviting people to the downtown and introducing them to the people, well, introducing one to another, the people to this new business in our community. And the two businesses that helped with the block party are longstanding businesses. Um, you could even say that they would be uh, almost competing businesses. They, they hit a, a very similar market, 
But at the same time, they understand that it's a symbiotic relationship and one can help the other. And when I got here, um, there was still some um, animosity amongst downtown business owners. And that this initial step that we've seen, I hope, translates into something that's uh, good for the entire downtown, that, that they understand that they are working together, that, that it's only going to behoove them all to join hands and try to figure out a way to, to work together. And I thought that this was an amazing, um, an amazing first step and maybe to a, a larger downtown business association or, or something of that nature, even, even if it's not that formal, something that a, a construct in place that shows that they can work together. So, so even though they're competing, and, and, and I think that's a key comment that you made, even though they're competing, whether it's a restaurant or it's another insurance agent or something else, they understand that having the building next to them with people walking in is a positive because it means somebody else is going to get, it means they're going to get visibility when somebody's walking into that vi- building. It means that they they know they can work together. I, I think that's a fabulous, fabulous example of that that love of okay. I, I understand that to to succeed. I don't. It, it isn't me being the one and only provider. It is we have the opportunity to have multiple people because there is enough market for it. Absolutely. That's much of the the downtown kind of they they want to grab more outside visitors um i think that that would be great for our community and for any community and to see that these three businesses wanted to kind of go hand in hand and try to um work together to find ways to to bring people in their store is is fantastic that was that was much of the initiative of the summer uh, what we call the third friday series was to bring people from within the community or from the outside of the community to our downtown, to the to the front doorstep of those businesses and welcome them to our community and introduce them to the great things we have going on downtown. Yeah, it sounds just wonderfully successful. We've been pleased. We've been pleased. The community really enjoyed it, um, and, and they... They keep asking and for for more and offering suggestions for how to make it better. It, it just it took off better than I could have imagined. And and you know it's not just it's not just me, but there have been a, a, a dedicated group of volunteers to make sure that it works well. The council has been very supportive of the initiative too. So it's just worked well. So I want to I want to latch on to something you said here just a couple of seconds ago. Though you said. We've gotten suggestions on how to make it better. And, and that leads to, you know, we talk about quality of life, and we're, going to, and, and we're going to spend a lot of time on that in this podcast as we move forward. But it also leads to something that is, that el- that is also key, in my opinion, and, and it's engagement. You've engaged people inside of your community, whether it's the business or the residents or, or whatever else, that feel attached to that opportunity to say, you know what, this is great, here's an idea to make it better, and you even keyed on the next part, there's some people out here that are volunteers, maybe you pick up two or three more of those that is is wonderful and makes that part of it even better. And that's the hope, um, that 
there's a, a snowball effect that once people see the the good the good energy that's created by the camaraderie and the activity downtown that it just grows um, the festival itself but it also grows the community itself it, it's hopefully a twofold effect and and we can only um, kind of stoke the flame that's what we're here to do now is to make sure that we keep it going and that it thrives so so having you know one something you love two partners that are the key um, to driving it forward not just the government but partners in and in your case the downtown businesses engaged community obviously means that people are coming out and recognize it the success here is is that we've gone past plowing a street during the winter to make sure that it's safe to all right let's find out what people love and let's put it in place and even if even if this isn't the one thing that they love about the community, they're still involved to, to make sure that this one's successful so that when they do find that thing that they do love, that's going to be successful too. Right. The, it's just been um, overwhelming, the, the amount of uh, response that the community has brought forward with this. And, and people have even said, you know, maybe we, maybe we struck a chord um, because people have come to us and said, I remember when um, my parents brought me downtown 40 years ago and on Friday night or Saturday night, and it was the happening place to be. So we, we struck the right chord, it seems, at the same time with these festivals in, in, uh, in a sort of nostalgic sort of sense for the community. So, you know, festivals are great. Festivals are um, a good way to bring people into your community. They're a good way to in instill life into your community if you think it needs it. But you've got to also know um, know your audience, as is true with just about anything. Know how it's going to play and try to uh, take advantage of the opportunities that you have when you have them and leverage those advantages to the best of your ability. That's, that, that's what makes anything successful. And we just got, maybe, maybe we got a little lucky, but we've been uh, happy with the success. So I'm going to, and, and, and going to the same question and the same thought process, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about something that we've done. And, um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of, of the backstory of how we got to it. Uh, two years ago, beginning of 2015, we had the National Citizen Survey come in and, and uh, do a survey throughout our community. And Yorktown is a suburban community to a larger community, uh, Muncie. And one of the things that when the, the results came back to me, and, and it really is part of the reason that drives this quality of life um, lovable communities was is that our arts and culture just did not score well and and so that that can mean a lot of things through the National Citizen Survey um, you know whether it's public art or it's the opportunities for art and so uh, in Muncie is Ball State University and they have a number of opportunities but I always associated Yorktown and Muncie together and and it was obvious to me after reading the National Citizen Survey that our residents didn't necessarily associate that we had those opportunities for art like that. And so um, I, along with a, a number of in, other volunteers, and 
have a passion for public art, and, and we're really trying to figure out what that is. But earlier this summer, uh, we got a small uh, $2,000 grant from um, the Community Foundation of Yorktown and Delaware County, and we started uh, Movies in the Park. And, and it, it, it kind of reminds me of your festival. It was something that we needed to know our audience. Being a suburban community, we have, an, uh, we have the benefit of having a population that is younger at the school age, uh, school-bearing, uh, or child-bearing years, if you will. And so, you know, doing these arts projects and, and, you know, movies or art or having sidewalk art that goes along with it, uh, sidewalk chalk and doing some of those. And so our arts council was formed and, and they... They held this summer and, and clear into October, honestly, three different movies in the park. Um, did The Sandlot, did uh, Princess Bride, and, and Hotel Transylvania. And we, we got a little popcorn machine, and we, we had popcorn, and it was almost like having an outdoor theater. But we got two to 300 people to come down to each of those movies. And our park is right next to our downtown. But it, we finally are getting them into the park, um, you know, the movies were, we paid for the copyrights and, and paid for the audiovisual equipment with the grant. And then we just invited people to come down. And so what we were seeing was, is they brought their cornhole games down with them and, and played. And they went over to the Pizza King and got pizza. And then they came back and they bought popcorn from us. And, and then we just all kind of sat around on the lawn and, and, and watched these movies. And, and it was how are we driving people into our downtown but also into our park so that that people were enjoying the natural attributes of the park but also enjoying doing something as a family event and and just a, a wonderful opportunity so what indicators did you have you know in the survey in particular maybe even anecdotally that led you to think we need to be more cognizant of art. We need to be more cognizant of the um, the physical attractiveness of our community. What and and why did you think movies was the first step? So the nice thing about the National Research Center's uh, uh, survey was is one of them is actually arts and culture, and they and they uh, it, it's a line item. It was the line item that we scored. The lowest on um, from the major indicators, which was uh, was interesting to me, and um, so we focused on that. I, movies, quite honestly, wasn't the Arts Council's first project, uh, it, but it was something that they said, you know, this would be fun to do, and and honestly, they they backed into it because they thought maybe it could be a fundraiser by selling um, selling the popcorn and 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 doing everything else because public art costs money. And, um, and, and you know, when you're a fledgling uh, organization, um, having the bake sale to get $200 is $200 more than you had. And so they, they saw that as an opportunity. I don't know that they thought that the big one, the first one would go off as well as it did. And, you know, after that, they're like, it's, it's wholesome. It is art because movies are art. Um, it engaged the community and it engaged a younger set of the community that you don't always see uh, 
um, you, you know, oftentimes we hear there's not enough for the kids to do. And so by focusing on that kid atmosphere of the Sandlot, which is, you know, one of those wonderful movies that uh, that speaks to both parents and kids. And, of course, we were doing it in the middle of baseball season anyway. Um, it, it really got in there. And, and so, you know, it was trying something outside of the norm and having success with it and then running with it. That's that's incredible. And, and it's interesting. We had a similar problem in, in our community. We have... Um, a, a KCBS Kansas City Barbecue Competition uh, in July, along with a, a craft beer festival. Now that is a um, separate volunteer group that puts all that on. Um, the Young Professionals Network puts on the uh, craft beer garden. But interestingly enough, the biggest complaint about that particular event is that there's nothing for the kids, and we made sure. In, in crafting our, our festival series that there was absolutely something to do for children and young families and the, the and, and make it cheap make it make it cheap, inexpensive or free. And the, the, the best things that I heard when people were walking around our festival um, was how much does it cost for me to do this? And we would tell them nothing. it's free. And they just there was this look of dismay at first, and then they're like, "Oh, this is, this is not a money maker. This is not intended to uh, make me pay for tickets. It's just for me to enjoy." And and that realization was a, a cool feeling. In fact, I had one mother come to me, and and she uh, she said, "This is my 13 year old girl's birthday," and she was. And she was so excited. She said, "This is the cheapest birthday party I've ever thrown because there were a pack of, you know, about six or seven, thirteen-year-old uh, girls, twelve-year-old girls going around on the different games and and eating food from the vendors, and it was it was fantastic. So, um, yeah, we we had to make sure that there's something for the kids uh, to help dr- bring the parents down. That's you know that that works." So if the kids go there, mom and dad follow, right? That's right. And that's a key. Yes. It's, it's what works for sports in our communities. I'm sure we'll have a future um, podcast at some point about what sports do for our communities and how they bring in tourism and how they generate dollars. But it's the exact same concept. Yeah. And, and I think as we look, and, and, and so let's... Let's think about, you know, here we are talking about our small-scale, small communities, but think about some of the larger places, and, and, and I'm going to use Chicago, and, and, I, and I will apologize up front to everybody. Um, Chicago is, is the largest community within five hours of, of, of myself and is often a place that I like to go, but they recently completed Maggie Daly Park, and... That is purely focused on kids and playing and everything else, but it is such a tourism generator because parents can go there, there's no cost, and yet it gets them downtown, and so when they need to buy the soda, they're going to the Jewel Osco or to... Um, or they're going to have a sandwich. They're going to Pop Bellies or, or, or any of these places, and so it, it does do it. The same goes in our small community. 
is, and we all have our playgrounds and we all have smaller, you know, events, but we're looking for ways to bring kids out because the parents will follow. And if the parents follow, as long as it's reasonable, they will spend a few dollars, but but they want to know that their kids are going to enjoy it and be able to interact with other kids and and people you know of their age. I know we said we would get into this at a later podcast about playable cities and the criticisms of playable cities and things like that, but think about the the things that do work and draw people to to large cities and, and what could be considered the staples of those communities. Um, the, the, the quintessential type visuals of the cities. And you go to Chicago, you have the Bean. Um, Cloudgate right. is a huge draw of people, and it's just a big mirror that sits on the ground that people take pictures in front of. Um, Philadelphia has the Love um, public art installation that people take pictures of all the time. Um, going back to Chicago, there's the spitting walls, I like to call them, in Grant Park yeah, yeah. that kids are playing in the water of. I mean, and that's that's not what it was probably intended to do, quote unquote, but it's still a, a feature that people take advantage of. And you can see them overseas. You know, we were we were in uh, Amsterdam uh, over the summer and they have the I Am Amsterdam public art installation that people take pictures of, uh, and they're not necessarily touting, you know, if in Amsterdam's case, the Rijksmuseum that holds Rembrandt's. Instead, they're, they're touting these kind of avant-garde uh, public art installations and, and playful type things to say we're unique, we're different, and come take a look at it because you won't find it elsewhere. So, and, and I'm going to come back to this in, in, in probably a later podcast, but with with the advent of technology and wanting to take selfies, if you will, or um, post things to, to social media, which is, um, if you're my age, you hate it, but if in the long run, um, you know it's so beneficial. If people are playing in a community and they're taking that picture, and, and you mentioned the bean or the love statue or, or the one in Amsterdam, and I'm thinking of the big rubber stamp in Cleveland, uh, and, and we know there's a number throughout these larger communities or uh, and, and can be in smaller communities too. How important is it that a person gets to share that? How important is it to your community that a person shows that? And so... Um, They'll take that picture in front of the bean, or they'll take that picture in front of uh, the the love uh, statue, or or something, and then they'll post it to Facebook. And of course, that range is just massive because you know we all have seven hundred friends on fa- Facebook. I can't tell you seven hundred people I talk to, but I got seven hundred friends. I'm friends surprised on it's that many. Seven hundred. Well, it's not that many, but it, <laughs> but we have. I have four hundred friends on Facebook, and and I don't talk to most of those people on a daily basis. But if they see me in that picture, you know, I get five or six, you you know, five or six likes from people that I'm like, oh, you know, I hadn't talked to so and so in so long, but they're still watching what I'm doing, and and that's important. And so you know, I, I and the reason I'm going to tie this back into our little event is. Um, we had a, a little bit of a social media presence with our with our uh, our movie nights, and what we found was is 
not only were we talking about it from the town's perspective or from the arts council's perspective, but we had kids that were talking about it on Instagram or or parents that were that were posting and you know and some of them were we started our first movie a little too early it was still a little too light and you know the, the comments were i guess it means at dusk a little bit different when you're running these sure. things and, and i'm like okay fair enough you know we we screwed it up and, and we'll we'll be better next time um but but even that attention was positive right and you know you take it a, a step further not to go too much down the the technology rabbit hole but the hashtag you throw a hashtag on that same photo that same post and people who you don't even know can click that and, and see all the people who may be seeing cloudgate the bean and further push that picture or like it and you get a bigger response than probably what you even intended at that point so it's it's immeasurable somewhat it's and it's somewhat infinite but that's social media has changed the game and that's probably the the biggest understatement we may ever make on this podcast um but it it just it it further drives home the point that having unique things that that attract people to your community and people love about your community who reside in it um can can be blasted out to a greater population simply through the click of a button so I think kind of tying this up, and, and, and we need to kind of do that before, because obviously you and I are passionate enough we can go along, but what we want our listeners to understand is um, when you look at that pyramid of, of what is the base and, and how do we get to the self-actualized cities, we understand that there is a base of roads and police and fire as uh, as you'll hear me come back to whenever we talk about the 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 simple things that we have to do well before we can get to the other part of it, but we get to the to to that top peak and and you know it's outside of ordinances it's outside of everything else it's it's what is it that's making it fun to live in Lincoln Illinois what is it making it fun to live in Yorktown Indiana or Piqua Ohio or Hoxie Kansas or Sutton Nebraska or Munster Indiana these places that we know and we love what makes it fun about being there and so we know the base has always got to be good, but we're always reaching for that top. And what is it that we love about our communities? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's what we're trying to drive here. Um, and we hope to generate greater conversation about those communities and what makes them first class and, and what sets them apart. But I think we're also willing to start having questions about how do you get there? Um, what is it that works? What is it that doesn't work? And that's where we would love to hear back from the people. Um, so, I don't know, go ahead, Pete. Oh, I was going to say, absolutely. And I think, you know, and that's a good segue into, let's remind them of how they can contact us because that, that we need to tell them that every show. Absolutely. As we, as we wind down here, um, the, the best thing to do is hit us up on the numerous electronic platforms that are out there. We have... Our email account, First Class Cities, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Um, send us your questions, your ideas, or if you want to come uh, talk to us on a podcast, hey, we'd love to have you. Um, we also have 
um, our Twitter handle, which is First Class Cities at First Class Cities, and it's spelled with uh, the numeral one first, just like a, a medal or an award, uh, Class Cities. And you know, tweet at us, let us know your ideas for future shows or um, questions that you may have. Again, the the feedback's really going to be what drives the show. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think as we look, and, and, and maybe we'll get into that conversation of playable cities uh, in our next discussion. I know you had presented an article. I think that's great. So we kind of plan on heading there. Uh, although if, if we hear from anybody, we may also incorporate some of that. Uh, but but I think, you know, the takeaway for us today is is there are things, whether it's in a small community or in a large community that we know people love and we want to do them and we want to talk about them and we want to we want to give them the light that they deserve and so um, don't be afraid to to let us know about something that's positive in your community or or something that you've got an idea and you might say hey how would I make this happen Um, you know I want to talk to people that are, are doing it and and I, I won't say we're doing it on, a, on an everyday basis, but we're doing it as much as we can, um, and, and we're here to, to help. We're here to talk about it. We're here to steal your idea and put it in place in our community. You bet. And make sure that you put it in place in yours, so go from there. So uh, I think it is probably a good time to wrap up. Uh, you know, we, we've tried to set a goal of, of how long we want these podcasts to run. We don't want to bore anybody, and uh, and have them listening to us too too much. So with that, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, Clay, nice job. Uh, it, this is really enjoyable. I've, um, both of our first two podcasts, I, I think, really start to, to hone in on what we believe is going to be a, a, a really good podcast going forward. That's the hope. Uh, I, I look forward to our conversations. I look forward to hearing from more people because um, we want to make this infectious and we want to make sure that um, you're a part of this conversation as well. It, it really, like I said, it drives drives home what we're doing and, and it can only make this better. With that, we'll sign off. Thanks, Clay. Thank you, Pete. Have a great afternoon.